When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red. Uh, I said on our last show, I didn't want Forest to be seen as a joke in the Premier League after so many defeats, and we've all seen the comments about the transfers, the revolving door of the city ground, and how everyone thought they were going down. But they aren't a joke anymore after beating Liverpool 1-0. It was another special day at the City Ground. And joining me to discuss it first of all is Reg legend Gary Bertels. Good morning, Gary. How are you? Good morning. Smile on the face. I'm sure it's all Nottingham has. Yes, yes. Are you sorted now? I had to put a post out saying that we were delayed by 30 minutes after a furniture emergency in Bertels. New furniture delivered. Trying to get it through doors is just a nightmare. Just destroyed the walls and everything, but it's in. Good, good. Good. Second guest today is the Babe Ruth of the podcast, the man who called his shot and said weeks ago that Forrest would beat Liverpool without a doubt in his mind. Greg Mitchell. Greg, how are you? I think I'm retiring now. I've had a good run. I'm not gonna <laughs> not gonna push the uh, good predictions any further, but just elated. I was just saying I can't wait to get into work later. There's a, a few people I need to go and see, I think. So gonna be a good they'll, day. They'll be on a sick, won't they? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'd imagine so. They know who they are anyway. <laughs> we need to predict another 10 to 12 wins, I think, just to be sure. But this was certainly a good one. Um, I mean, we should start with you, Greg, then, since you did say Forrest would win. How was it? What are your overall thoughts on the day as a fan being in the ground? It was uh, memories of the last season, wasn't it? It all came flooding back. Just spectacular. Before the game, the atmosphere building up to it, everyone going into it. There was no heads down, you know. Cooper was saying all the right things. Just everything felt like it could be a special day and it it proved to be and it just shows what happens when everyone's on the same page. I don't think a new manager gets that result, does he? It was just a fantastic day and all the hard work they've done, it's just now started to click a little bit. So I'm even more excited after the result now. Yeah, I mean, my dad sent me a message this morning uh, from a year ago today, the game we went to as a family, my son's first game, Forest lost 4-0 at home to Fulham. So to be here now, Gary, I mean, you were in the, the director's box. It's obviously another sign of the progress, but not only that, it was a well-deserved win, wasn't it? Oh, without a doubt. Thoroughly deserved. And I just thought it took everybody aback a little bit because I was at the Wolves game, I was commentating on the Wolves game, and it was just such a hard commentary to do because you know nothing really happened. Um, I, I was watching three up front and there was no movement from them. Man on the ball, you know, you, you felt sorry for him because he was having to go backwards square. And the transformation that Steve made on Saturday was just incredible. And, you know, it just shows you when you've got an out-and-out striker up front, what a nuisance he can be as well, by the way. He makes it difficult for defenders. It reminded me a bit of Keenan Davis last season, uh, you know, when he was backing into Van Dyke, making his, his life difficult. But I thought from the first whistle, what impressed me more than anything was the pressing, how high the pressing was. It was just they gave them no time to come out from the back. 
Um, I think Ryan Yates led the team superbly well. Uh, it, it, there was just not, you know, you didn't feel there was a, a major weakness in the side because if there's a major weakness in any team when you play Liverpool's Man City's, you're going to get beat. Uh, so it needed to be, you know, 100% everybody sort of firing on reasonable cylinders, you know, not full cylinders maybe. But uh, yeah, I was just so impressed. And the atmosphere, one of the best I've ever encountered down there. Yeah, I mean, we'll come on to a few individuals uh, as we go on. Gary mentioned two there that we really must talk about in a one year in Yates. But, um, Greg, just going back kind of after the Leicester game, I mean, Forrest were a real mess in that game. Do we have to give Cooper credit for slowly changing them? I was on the phone to someone, well, I was on the phone to Darren Fletcher yesterday, saying it felt like the, you know, that Al Pacino speech on any given Sunday where he talks about <laughs> fight and claw for every inch. And it feels to me like Forrest have done that in the last four games. And this was the culmination. Obviously, it's got to be the start of a, a or continuation of a process. But how much credit do we have to give Cooper for recognising that Forest were way too open and they needed to go about it a different way? You've got to give Cooper almost all the credit. I mean, getting that new contract for me made him maybe, you know, sit back a little bit and think, how can I change this for long-term results? And, you know, Wolves was a bit, like I say, it's a bit of a non-entity game and Brighton, you know, all the possession they had, but it was because we were working on things and it it came into fruition today, uh, on Saturday. You know, like you say, the high press, how tight everyone was, the battling for every ball. We didn't give Liverpool players anything. You got players like Yates looking like he's in the trenches even before the, the game's kicked off and he, he just got it and I feel like Something clicked on Saturday that's going to make us so, so hard to beat at home, especially. And we're getting the, the chances now, you know, seven shots on target, whatever it was. I saw that our mate XG popped up on the uh, when I was watching the game back and it was like a few minutes in. It said we had 6% chance to win the game. So, you know, that shows how useless that is. Well, I was, I was told we were 10 and a half to one to win mm. the game. So that shows how the bookies uh, saw it. But well, I mean, two two clean sheets on the trot. We're talking now. You know, the, I mean, yes, Brighton had twenty odd shots, and that was a concern that if somebody you know of Brighton's calibre, you know, not the greatest team in the Premier League, but can have that many. But then, you know, Liverpool set pieces were their, their main threat, I think, um, rather than you know creative elements in uh, in their build up. And like I say, we looked tight at the back. Uh, Henderson, what a save that one-handed save was he made from the header. It was just an all-round, you know, terrific performance. And Steve said it meant such a lot to so many generations of Forest fans. And I think he hit the nail on the head. That's what he sees in that football club. Just doesn't see it as a present thing. He think, you know, he sees it as a, you know, a, an overall thing of, you know, when we sort of played and even before, you know. Um, so he knows what it's all about. And it was great to see his dad at the game as well. So His dad's the lucky charm, I think, by the sound yeah. of it. He hasn't seen him lose yet. I mean, do you see the makings of a team there now, Gary? Because they haven't looked like a team times, but there was, it felt to me there was a, a tactical plan that was executed in this game to, to force Liverpool through the middle and uh, to and, and kind of nullify them. And it seemed to work. Do you see them on the road to you know, a, a unit now, Gary? Well, the, the, the next game is the big thing, isn't it? It's all right saying, yeah, we're all loving it. It was like we've won the FA Cup at the full time. The atmosphere was so good. Um, but, you know, the, the follow-up games now um, have got to be, you know, as good 
or nearly as good. I mean, we've got Arsenal coming up. Uh, Southampton proved that uh, you know they're not unbeatable. They got a point off them yesterday, and then the two games you know before the World Cup starts so important. You know, Crystal Palace got battered on Saturday, and we've got Brentford who got battered yesterday. So two teams, you know, going into those fixtures, you know, not full of confidence. So, yeah, massively important. The, the Liverpool Arsenal games are always going to be bonus games. You know, you just if you can get anything out, then brilliant. But the two after were always going to be, you have to say, the ones. But now, hey, I tell you what, Arsenal weren't fancy, you know, playing against us after seeing what we did against Liverpool. Definitely not. One thing that Gary says there, Greg, about. You know, it's just three points type thing, basically. It was interesting. Cooper, at the end, didn't do the fist pumps, which might disappoint a few fans who are in the ground because it's become like a signature. But I thought that was a really good move, wasn't it, to, to show it's just one win. We walked... Uh, sorry, my internet must have gone a bit then. But we walked out thinking, oh, what happened there? But it made so much sense because he probably knew at the end of the weekend we're still going to be in the bottom three or bottom as we are. So I think it was a respect to the league and where we are and how much we're going to have to battle. And I'm sure in a few weeks, he'll be doing them with intent. Because, like I say, I just think at home now, something's clicked. And it was a bit of a, you know, a free hit. But what we've got to remember is Bournemouth and Fulham were games that we all thought we were going to win. And I look at that now, and I see Brentford and Palace to games that we should win. But it has to be just like it was the atmosphere down the ground. Because... With that intensity, with everyone in the right direction, the ball boys, you know, doing what they did, and almost—I've never seen that before. By the way, if we get onto officials, bloody hell, almost sending the lad off. He was great, but everyone was on the same page. Everyone was battling for it, and like I say, Brentford and Palace before this massive international break are bigger than the game we've just played on Saturday. So we've just got to remember how good it was on Saturday and take it into the next ones. Yeah, I think we might all know who that ball boy was, but I'm not sure I'm yeah, right. Yeah, he was man of the match. You what? He was man of the match, wasn't he? <laughs> he was man of the match. <laughs> his dad's very proud of him, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was with his dad after. Oh, good. Well, I'm not sure we can say who it is, but yeah, yeah, fair play to him. Um, let's go into a few individual players then. Um, Gary, you mentioned a one-year. You've lobbied for weeks and weeks that they have to start a striker. and A one he's very rough around the edges, but we saw the value of him, didn't we, in this game? Rough around the edges, you know, I always say strikers are the ones on the pitch who need consistency more than anybody in selection terms. Because, you know, you it's a sharpness thing up front. And if you're only popping up now and again, you're expected to score because you are a striker. And that puts a little bit, you know, more pressure on strikers when that happens. I'd love to see him be given a, ro- a run, get his Premier League fitness right. And I think it was, you know, probably a good thing to, not a good thing to leave Brennan out. I think he needed a breather. You know, I think um, he had a lot of stick, unfairly so, for me, because he's, he's one lad who never, ever shirks responsibility. But the, the responsibility he has as a striker up there is, is such a difficult one. You know, it's, it's not easy at 21 years of age to have that amount of pressure on you. And I think, you know, with uh, you know, an out-and-out striker on Saturday... It, do, it takes the pressure off people because he is an outlet. He will run the channels. He will back into defenders and try and stand on their feet and everything. And he's, he's an awkward customer to play against. And, you know, you asked Van Dyke, did he enjoy himself on Saturday? He'd have said, no, no, I didn't. Um, because he was always on the move. And, you know, the one he set up for Lingard in the first, was it the first half? 
you know, where he's played him in and yeah. the keeper saved it. You know, that that's what you get with a striker because he's direct as well. And, you know, defenders hate directness from strikers. You know, they don't care if, you know, they're going a little bit short now and again or, you know, they drift here and drift there. But when they're direct, um, you know, defenders sometimes can't can't be doing with it. And uh, I was really impressed with what I saw. I mean, I said Brennan should start the game, or to be fair, on the last podcast because of his pacing behind, but it obviously worked well. Um, just on a one year quickly, Greg, do you, I mean, you feel he has to start the next three games before the World Cup now? He played like the Davis we were missing. We've all been crying out for that strong player like Davis was doing, and he just got it right. And I hope it wasn't just because of the six years at Liverpool and, you know, it meant so much, but I feel again like, Something really started with him on Saturday. And yeah, of course, he's earned his starting position now. And players like Brennan are going to come on and do a fantastic job in a different different role now, maybe. So, yeah, absolutely. What's your take on the other two in the front three, Gary? Because Lingard, he hasn't done a lot, but I thought he had his best game since the Spurs game. He looked a lot more energetic. Do you see him making progress and Gibbs White in a similar vein for he, he, I thought Gibbs White worked really hard on the day yeah but that's a given you know if, if you can't work hard in a football match you shouldn't be out there you know that is the basic um, criteria for playing professional football you work your socks off with the, the old cliche for 90 minutes and if they don't do that they shouldn't be in the team the rest comes as a bonus and uh, you know he was producing things that you know we you know he's capable of Lingard, I still think, is, is searching for his best. Uh, we know he's, uh, he's better than what we've seen at times so far. Um, and hopefully this, this could be just a spur for everybody individually, um, you know, as a team, as a squad, um, because it was just incredible to watch. I mean, I, I, would have, I, I thought on Saturday, you talk about, you know, the football coupons you do on, um, you know, the bookies or whatever. And I bet I would. I was wondering how many people would say that you know Forrest's going to lose you know by a considerable amount of goals after Liverpool's performance against Man City, because they totally dominated Manchester City. You know, the, it was one of the Liverpool performances would become to you know know and expect, and that's the trepidation I went in with a little bit, thinking well if they play like that, you know they did against Man City, we could be in trouble here. But, you know, we didn't, we weren't frightened of that. If you're frightened of that, when you go out, you shouldn't be out there as well because, you know, you give the opposition that incentive then to dominate. And we didn't do that. We didn't let them dominate, you know, despite the quality they have in their side. Mo Salah, you know, hardly had a kick. And I was watching him. He was trying everything he possibly could. He's one of the most mobile players, you know, you can watch. He's always on the go. He's always wanted to be involved. And we just didn't let him. And I think that's, you know, real praise for the back you know the back line as well because you know it's, it's difficult we've kept two clean sheets now in the Premier League and that is pretty good going away at Brian at home against Liverpool and that's what you build on Brian Clough always used to build on clean sheets and uh, you know they're very very important especially with our goal difference as well and you know the next three games who knows mm-hmm. yeah I agree about Lingard I think he is searching for his best still but I it felt like a step in the right direction in terms of he looks more of a threat than he has done. I thought he, he did well. I mean, we should talk about midfield, Greg. Gary said there, or, or you said earlier about, I think, about the pressing, Temps' favourite theme. But as soon as that ball went into midfield, Kuyate, Freuler or Yates were straight on whoever it was. For Fabinho had a nightmare, didn't he? And Curtis Jones struggled as well. 
that was, was was that kind of the essential element to the win? Do you think? All three of them are brilliant, and I do think we we well we did win that midfield battle. Clearly, uh, there's that fantastic picture now, which is going to go down in history of Yates being surrounded by four of their players trying to get the ball off him, and then there's a similar one, and I can't believe I'm saying this with Messi doing the same thing, and it just shows like the. The difference in a week, he was getting slated again online and, and now people are saying, how far can he go and how good can he be for us? And You know, yeah, you do realise now you've created a monster, Messi and Yates. <laughs> no, it wasn't me. I'll, I'll send it you. Uh, it wasn't me. <laughs> he's going to live on that now for the rest of his career, isn't he? There's a brilliant <laughs> photo. And uh, I just think we're finding the players now, the starting eleven, but also the substitutions, the ones that came on. Every single one of them, you thought, oh, that, that's a starter. That's a player that, you know, is going to come in and make our team even better. And giving us that confidence now, like I say, especially at home, I just thought they did a fantastic job and the players that came on did a brilliant job as well. I think Joe yeah. coming on, yeah, Joe Warren yeah. did, came on. And I, I thought when, you know, we're 1-0 up and all of a sudden, we, you know, we, we brought on defensive sort of players. I thought, oh, here we go. We're going to encourage them on. You know, if this is Liverpool, it could be, you know... A pensive last 20 minutes or so, and it certainly was. That was worse than, for me than the playoff final. I couldn't believe how nervous I was in that <laughs> last 20 minutes. I couldn't look at the set pieces. Didn't see the save of Henderson until I saw it later on television. It was one of those games where you just thought, please, just let us hang on. Let us win this game. But, hey, hold on a minute. The other end, let's let's not forget Allison and uh, James Milner. Yeah. What a block that was and what a save he made as well. And it baffled me. I thought um, Milner was their best player, especially first half. He was he, everything was coming through him down that right hand side, and they took him off. I was delighted they took him off mm. because even at his age, he is he was a threat to us. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad uh, Jurgen Klopp took him off. Just quickly on set pieces before we scoop. I mean, it's an interesting tactic not to mark Van Dyke from a few of them, <laughs> but it works on the day. Klopp afterwards, he. I don't actually disagree with him. He said Liverpool should have scored at least two goals, but you just need that bit of luck and that brilliant safe so goal in those teams. Hmm? So should we. It's all right mm. saying that we should have scored. Yeah, so you know, it's all right. This he said, but to be fair, Forrest should, you know, could have done as well. You you've got to equalize that equalize that out. He didn't though, did he? No, but, but he, what, he wouldn't, would he? Be for the header. <laughs> yeah. I, I think he thought he was offside. Hmm. Mm. Because he was the one, so back, the one across goal. This is, yeah, yeah. I'm saying that's the pressure of the crowd on him the whole game. He just couldn't handle it. So, done all these Champions League games, but City grounds a different level. Yeah, <laughs> let's, let's go back to Yates, and I'll talk about Kriati in a minute. I mean, to me, Yates he's perfect for a midfield three, and if he just plays the Ryan Yates way of get about people, win the ball, pass it forwards, but not pass it fancy. I mean, he's a solid Premier League player, isn't he, Gary? If he just keeps doing this. Not everybody has to be, you know, this massively creative midfield, Gundogan sort of, you know, products. There are, you know, fantastic you, uh, uh, Wolves. Is it Podence? You know, people like him. You know, there are players in there, you know, who aren't of the pedigree of the the top teams, but they're so important to their teams. And you know, it's a learning process for him. You know, he's playing in the Premier League for the first time, and it's a hard learning curve because if you get it wrong consistently. You know, you're going to get left out of the team, and it, it's it's fair play to him that he's taken everything on board. I'm sure Steve's telling him, and he's worked on you know what he thinks he needs to do. And you saw all that came to fruition. I think the one thing that he'll be disappointed with 
not on Saturday, but the chances that have been coming his way that he's not quite taken advantage of, you know, the headers, which is, he's normally so good at, you know, just hit the target instead of trying maybe to be too, you know, precise and trying to do it. But overall on, uh, you know, you're looking for a captain's performance and, you know, he gave that on Saturday, you know, in spades, really. Yeah, there's a question from Richard. I can't find it in the comments. I had lots of comments. Saying Southgate's got a name of 55-man long list for the World Cup. Could Yates be on it? I mean, I think that's out of reach at the moment, isn't it? Because he's. I think, I, think I might still be on that. <laughs> the 1981. Not. Yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he's England quality yet. He keeps proving doubt is wrong, doesn't he, Greg? I yet. Think... I'm so glad you said yet. Well, he, he, he keeps <laughs> progressing. I mean, you know, it's a big challenge to reach that level. I can't personally see it, but he keeps proving people wrong, doesn't he? The usual suspects that you like to uh, engage with about me on Twitter. I had a bet with them that Joe Worrell would make the England squad within five years. How many and, years uh, ago was that? Well, end of last season. It was the Liverpool game last season. Oh, OK. And... Um, I want to add Yates to it. <laughs> I think he's just proving every single person wrong and he'll keep going. And it's not all about the skill. It's not all about, you know, that flair. Sometimes it's just a level head and you just never know. You never know how far he's going to go. We've been proved so wrong. No, he's itching to interject here to say you're <laughs> No, not that. What, what gets you an international call-up is consistency. Yeah. And that's got to get into his game in the Premier League. Nobody gets in any international side if they're not consistent. I always hark back to David Platt's comment when I played golf with him once. Great players don't get it, get better, they get more consistent. And that's, you know, one of the most intelligent, you know, simple things I've heard in football. And, um, you know, he's up against, you know, the midfield players. You look around, there's a lot of, you know, talented midfield players around, young players in this country. And, you know, who's to say he can't if he, if he keeps learning? You have to learn every game. You don't just learn in one game because every game becomes different. And, you know, we saw the 6-0 against Manchester City. We saw us get beat 4-0 at Leicester. Mm. And now, you know, they go and beat Wolves 4-0. You know, it's, it's... Leicester were always going to, you, you thought, at some point, perk up. Um, unfortunately, they did it again yesterday and put us back down at bottom. But, uh, yeah, it's that that is one thing in any profession you do. You try and get the highest possible place in your profession. And the highest in football is playing for your country. And... Anybody who's lucky enough to do that, you know, it's will tell you how difficult that is. But you know, never say never. You know, you, if you're in form and you're consistent, then you know, managers start, will start looking at you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, you should just focus on consistent mm. performance. Just to nail his Forest place right now. Um, but yeah, he's on the right track. Let's finish off midfield. Um, is Freuder a bit underrated, Gary? I was Chris could have Freuder after Brighton, but he was very good here, and him and Kriate. They were a good balance, weren't they, alongside Yates in this game? I think they were because of the um, difference in position, not significant um, difference in position. I think against when I was against watched against Wolves, we sat back a little bit too deep and found it very difficult when we did get possession to then break. Um, but uh, on Saturday, straight from the off, we were, I think, three to five yards further up the pitch on the front foot. From, from the start, from the first whistle. That's what, you know, astounded me more than anything. I thought, hold on a minute. You know, we're five years, you know, maybe five yards further up here. And that's what stops teams playing. If you sit back five more yards, teams like Liverpool will just come on to you continually because, you know, they're, they're that good. 
But if you don't allow them to, you're brave enough to do it. And I think that that selection was a brave selection from Steve Cooper. I really do. And, uh, you know, I think he's got to take an enormous amount of credit for changing things as he did. You know, it was difficult to leave Brennan out because, you know, what we saw last season and what what he's achieving with Wales. But I think he was probably right for a breather at that particular point. And uh, he, he will only get better from that. You know, he came on and caused problems. We saw how, how dangerous he was when he came on. Um, so, yeah, there's just a lot to be thankful for from that performance. Um, this comment made me laugh. You're looking, you, you've gone full <laughs> McKenna today, Greg. I don't know what it is, the hair, the beards, but everyone's saying, as usual, you look like Scott McKenna. But it's, it's definitely there gotta, today. Got to get down the gym a bit. <laughs> Uh, for people listening on iTunes, it's, it's Scott Stevens put Scott McGregor um, M small G G R E double G A. So there you go, it made me laugh. Anyway, let's go. Keep going backwards through the team into the defence, which featured Scott McKenna, not Greg. Um, dropping deeper, Greg, it feels like it's kind of nullified all those worries about Steve Cook's pace, hasn't it? Because there's, there's mm. not these vast open spaces behind them anymore. What a cross! I mean, Steve Cook and McKenna were just brilliant. Like McKenna played that well but there were so many other good performances I've not seen him mentioned much at all and obviously Cook did that unbelievable assist for the goal so he rightfully got all the plaudits but both of them just did so well against one of the supposed best attacking forces in world football and you know clean sheet against them those two are both on the man of the match list aren't they for me some of McKenna's head as he does from like almost impossible angles just to get it cleared and yeah, like you say, Cook's pace was never an issue. A, a perfect ball in that's going to be shown for years and years and years. So both of them, just fantastic. But you know why that is the pace issue? When you're pressed up further up the pitch, it's more difficult to you to be have that pace used against you as a defender. If you're, you know, deep a little bit deeper, I think people can play around you, through you a little bit easier. But the midfield made it so difficult for them to exploit what people have said, our lack of pace. And can I just say how how tremendous that piece of work was from Cook. The first touch, forget the cross a minute, the first touch was a striker's first touch because it came to him at a really difficult angle. And his first touch was brilliant. And what I liked, I, I think, had that been a midfield player or a striker, he might have not done what Steve did. Steve just played it right across into the danger yeah. area where he thought straight away, didn't take another touch, could have done. He just smashed it into an area where it was going to hurt the opposition. I think a striker or a midfield player would have maybe tried to be a little bit clever and take somebody on and the opportunity's gone. That's how important it is. When you get in that area, I keep, I've been harping on about this, don't even look up. You don't need to pick anybody out. If nobody's in there, that's their fault. You put it in an area where you know your teammate should be and you've done your job. And he did that and that caused so many problems and you know, one year it was his first shot that came back off the post, and he was there to follow it up. You know, that's instinctive. That's what strikers do. They expect the unexpected, and that was unexpected, but uh, worked beautifully. Um, just finishing off the team, then. I mean, I was, I was critical of the Suarez already signing. I didn't think they needed it, but you know, he proved me wrong in the last couple of games. Have they cemented those two fullbacks now, Greg? Or does Renan Lodi come back in and you maybe Williams drops out, or is Williams still a long-term successor? I guess it's a good problem to have, isn't it? <clears throat> yeah, I don't. I, I honestly don't think they've cemented anything because 
they've all got a lot to prove and they're all chomping at the bit to get in that position. But they both did well. Nico had one of his better games for us, I'd I think that, and he, he really did play well. So, yeah, if those two are to start the next few games, delighted. But the other options can come in as well and they're, they're still doing a very similar job. So it's a great predicament for him. A complete mm. sit on the fence on that one. Uh, just a quick word on Henderson then, Gary, to give everyone a word. Not not just that save at the end, but generally, I thought he had a really good game. His kicking's still a bit dodgy, and he's a great wind-up merchant, isn't he? Go on, you laughed at my comment about his kicking. Yeah, he's he's not the greatest, you know, distribution. You know, two or three times, I think he's he's kicked it straight into touch, but you, you don't mind that because it's not costing you a goal. What what's going to cost you a goal is if somebody don't pick their centre half up and he heads it like Van Dyke did, and he makes a brilliant save. That's what goalkeepers do. You know, that's what goalkeepers always got paid for. Peter Shilton wasn't the greatest kicker of a football, you'll see. But my goodness, he was the best goalkeeper in the world because he did what he was paid to do. You know, stop the ball going in the back of the net. And that's, I think there's too much pressure on goalkeepers to be, you know, distributors because, you know, this is no disrespect. You're a goalkeeper because you can't score goals. You're not a striker. You're a goalkeeper because, you know, it's a position that is specialised. Every kid wants the glory of being the goal scorer, um, but goalkeepers are so important, as, as anybody will tell you. And oh, oh. I think he's got a phone call. We'll come back to Gary. Are you back? Yeah, I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll come back to Greg then. Uh, just on Henderson, lastly. Yeah. Um, you, love him, you love him in the ground, don't you? Because he winds everyone up. I've got, I've got, a, I've even made a little list on him. I've got. I loved the fact when he went into the crowd at the end, it's hilarious watching that steward trying to push him back in, thinking he's one of the fans. Uh, Bree Samba giving him credit online for playing the way he does in certain situations, which I loved. And then my mate Faz, uh, when we were in the pub after, he got a message off his Italian mate, Fran, who isn't a Forest fan at all, but I'm going to read it. And he said, uh, I watched the whole 95 minutes, great match, played with heart and all the energy Forest Forest fans didn't stop singing even for a second. Henderson is not a keeper. He is an octopus. Just the perfect <laughs> game. And I thought that's, that's what this team did this weekend. They had the whole world's eyes on him. And they performed so well. And you're getting messages off that. Who, people who aren't Forest fans just giving credit to him. And I hope they see some of that stuff. And I hope now they've got all week for the next game to to prepare for it, but also enjoy what they did and take a hell of a lot of confidence from it. I'll tell you what as well, Greg, what, what I'm thinking about Henderson again, what he does when he, when he d does kick it b before, I think Goldie, he probably was a bit reticent because it, it kept coming back because none of the three lads up front could head it or would head it, you know, mm. with respect Brennan, you know, and um, Lingard and whoever was up there, it kept coming back. We didn't win much in the air, but with the one of in there, he wins his fair share. And mm. if he doesn't, it's not a clean header for the defender. Hence why it was so important that we were further up the pitch as a team because we we're picking the second balls up, you know, purely because he was making it so difficult for, you know, Van Dijk and Gomez that, you know, that's why Yates was, I think, dominant because he was ready for that second ball, you know, and he was on the front foot thinking, well, yeah, he's got, my teammates got a chance of winning this. Whereas before it, it was coming straight back all the time. And that puts you on the back foot. When you've got somebody who can head it up there, even if it's not clean, you know, it comes off somebody, you know, he, he gets a touch, it comes off Van Dyke's shoulder, and then Yatesy or anybody else in midfield pounces on it 
and then we're on the front foot straight away. That is the difference. It, it may people may think, oh well, what's he talking about? But believe me, that is a massive difference when somebody is actually just winning things, not cleanly all the time. You don't need to, but just making it difficult because you know then you can gamble as a midfield player and say, right, I can I can be first onto this. Mm. And the number of times that happened, I thought in the game was tremendous. Um, just on what you were saying there, Greg, about spirit and belief. I mean, I was told they were given two days off after the game, but the players said to the manager they don't want it and they, they might oh, be wow. in today. So <laughs> that shows, if, that, if I, I think that's right, I'm sure it is. It shows there's a bond there to me. Uh, so hopefully that's right. Well, that's the see, hey, there's the one thing that's changed from our day. If the gaffer said to us two days off, <laughs> down the pub for two days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How, how very professional. You see, that that's where when Steve and his, his backroom staff first came, they came out with us to you know to ask about how we did it and how Yeah, I'm sure the drinking culture wasn't part of what uh, you know they were taking on board going forward. But yeah, I do like that attitude, but I would have still prefer the two days off. <laughs> we'd have been in Callum Law with the gaffer, you know, we'd have been in space right now. Oh dear. Let's talk about the Arsenal game then. I mean, I watched them yesterday against Southampton. They look blinding for about 20 minutes, but then they look very jaded for the last 20 minutes. They've got PSV on Thursday in Europe. I guess they'll rest a load of players, but I mean, that might be a good time to play them, Greg. You're going to be optimistic. Can Forrest nick something there? Yeah, it's a great time to play them. And I'd forgot about the Thursday night games they're battling through. And that's important to them because that's a potential trophy. So, I don't think they'll, they'll rest too many and they might decide that they can rest a couple against lowly Nottingham Forest on Sunday, which is going to give us a, another another boost. But it is, I keep hearing the word free hit and I don't think it's so much a free hit, but it's another really good chance to put in a, a performance to take us into these home games. So I'm excited to be down there. I can't wait. It's not a free hit in a sense, Gary, is it? But there's a lot less pressure on the game. You can go there and play whatever tactics you want now and you've got that Liverpool result to back you up and give you belief. How would you be viewing the game as a player? Um, one that, you know, after the uh, Liverpool game that we can go and maybe, you know, surprise people and get something out of it. I just hope he starts with the striker, though. Mm. I hope Steve mm. starts, you know, keeps probably the same team because there's nothing wrong with that starting eleven. Um, so, you know, just go with the same um, frame of mind, you know, the same belief that you can beat one of the top teams or, you know, stay with them. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an away game. Everybody's expecting Arsenal to win. And that puts pressure on them a little bit. I think you saw that at Southampton yesterday. Everybody thought, oh, i tell you what, the big two games on the coupon would have been Liverpool beating Forest and Arsenal beating Southampton. Mm. You know, two away games and both went down. We won and Southampton drew. That's football. And if you believe that, that you can do that, not just on a one-off basis, I don't think that's just a one-off for us. I think that's the best performance I've seen from us this season, without a doubt. You know, the Tottenham one I thought was, you know, tremendous as well. I thought that was the best one before. Not the West Ham one, maybe, but the Tottenham one. Uh, I think we should have won that. It was only a guy called Harry Kane stopped us. Um, but, you know, I, I think we see the potential now of uh, what we've got at our disposal, what Steve's got at his disposal. And he's got, you know, Sam Surridge on the bench. He'll come on and, and work. He's got, you know, Brennan came off. He's got, um, you know, I always forget his name, Dennis. Uh, 
you know, he's, he's got so many good options coming off the bench now. And uh, I, I just think one of you deserves a run of games in the side now, uh, you know, just to prove to people that, you know, he is, you know, the one that can make a difference because he certainly did on Saturday. Mm. I mean, if they do lose to Arsenal, Greg, as well, it's not the end of the world, is it? The, to me, I know Gary won't agree with this, but the focus to me is sort of on those Palace and Brentford games to try and get, well, six points before the World Cup, maybe four points. Yeah, uh, the difference team. You know, the Brighton game, how we, we played from the back so often and it was very nervy to watch and how we, we tried to get it up a bit more at home against Liverpool. I think we do what we did against Brighton and against Arsenal. It's going to be a lot more <laughs> nervy to watch because they are going to be on it just that second quicker than Brighton were. But, you now we've proved on Saturday you go into every game now thinking we can get something because what's the point in not, you know, that... That was just such a famous day on Saturday and a lot of people were writing us off before it. Some of our own fans were. And I think you've got to learn if we're going to be in this league, let's enjoy it. Let's go in thinking we can get something from every game because it does happen. You know, these teams that come up do get results away from home against the big six as they are at the minute. And why not? I just think it it could be another good day. But I think, you know, five points, six points from these from these next three games it's not it's not impossible how do you see it at the bottom of the table gary because as you already said leicester battered wolves leads look like they're struggling it's very tight at the bottom eventually a pack's going to emerge isn't it but at the moment it all looks very tight but the villa batter brentford where did that one yeah, come yeah. from you know we got a point against you know brent uh, we got a point against aston villa who also drew with man city so they've drawn with us they've drawn with man city and they've just beaten brentford 4-0 so it shows maybe what a good point against them that was. Um, but uh, the Arsenal game, I would, as a player, after that performance, I would have been looking so forward to going down to London because, you know, it's a place you want to go because they were always the top teams down there. And, you know, they, they deserve to be top of the league at the moment. You know, it's not a fluke. And it wasn't a fluke that we beat Liverpool on Saturday. People might think it was uh, if they didn't see it. But it wasn't. Um so those two factors, I'm sure Arsenal will be looking at and Arteta will be saying, do not take this for granted because, you know, they deserve to beat Liverpool. And um, it's just, it's a happy place to be. It's a happy place to be involved in now after that result. And you've just got to go and tr just try and take advantage. It'd be interesting to see the team that Steve picks, but I hope it's the same. I hope it's a positive one. And, you know, that will give those players who played Saturday so much more belief going into it if, they, if it's the same team. Unless there's an injury, I don't think there's any point in changing it. I guess, Greg, did Forrest need a, a day like Saturday as well to feel like a full part of the Premier League, to spring that shock and to make that statement? You look at the league table, if we'd have lost that game, we're sat on six points and out of it's on 11 points and it's dire and it's grim and we're thinking, God, we've got to go to Arsenal and then those two home games, that win was so massive for us. And although Leicester won and whoever won, the pack at the bottom's tightened so much more now. We're not the, oh, well, Forrest are going down and it's against all the others. Now we are right in that and we sort that goal difference out and it's, it's going to start going for us. And it's just like previous seasons with our team. You know, this is unprecedented, the amount of players that we got in. But they've started to click, they've started to gel. We saw the, the battle at Brighton 
and then showing what we can do at home against Liverpool. Now teams, I think, are going to take notice a little bit more of how we can play and we're full of confidence. Mm. I mean, again, the one thing that stands out, and I will say this all the time because I'm an ex-striker, you play a striker, he gives you a chance. You don't stay up in a league if you haven't got somebody who is going to be a nuisance or score your goals or you know create things for other people. And the first, you know, when he comes in, he did it against West Ham. It was a fluky goal. But you don't get a fluky goal unless you're there to, to fluke it in. Um, you know, against go back to the Tottenham game. We should have... Uh, Lewis Graben was at the game on Saturday. <clears throat> I, I said to him, if you'd have been playing against Tottenham, we'd have won that game. You know, because he would have been there for those three fantastic crosses. That's how important an out-and-out striker is. He gives you a chance. If you give him the service, like that ball from Cook, he will do what he does. Any striker will. And it's so important. If you, I know Steve's been trying to find the right blend, you know, the right formations, the right people in the right places. But I think one of you now is just, he'd be the first one on my team sheet. I suppose the thing for me about Forrest is, of the teams at the bottom, they feel like they've got a higher ceiling or a quicker progression of where they can go to, Greg? Because they've got all these new players that, to me, are good individual players, Premier League quality players, but it was such a challenge to meld them together, and it still is such a challenge. But you look at those other teams, there's a lot of teams with issues, and if Forest can just solve theirs by the other side of the World Cup, I still feel pretty optimistic they can stay up. We we just didn't know each other. As much as like we, I was full of optimism, you look back at August and that team didn't know each other. You look to what happened on Saturday and you've got Jesse Lingard on the touchline for the last 10 minutes, waving and getting the crowd going and just being completely involved in it. Beer Cohn, exactly the same. You know, these are players like that, that aren't on the pitch, but are, are as invested as every single one of us were. A bit like some of the players from last season and it makes such a difference. And you see them, you're on about Gary Howe, you'd be off. Uh, I saw Lingard and a couple of them went down to London Saturday night and they're clearly gelling. They're mates now. And I think, you know, in my mind, that's going to make things a hell of a lot better. And you get the you get the, the squad working together and it's going to be a, a, an easier season for us. Mm. I mean, a big moment in the season, do you think, Gary? Because they probably need to back this up now, don't they, with a couple more results before the World Cup and not make this a, an isolated win? Well, if it is a one-off, people will just hark back to it and, and say, well, you know, what's the difference between, you know, playing Liverpool and playing if we, you know, we don't get anything against uh, Palace or Brentford? Um, and that's down to the players now. You know, it's, it's a mental thing. Um, you know, if, if you've got the mentality to go and beat Liverpool and keep a clean sheet against Liverpool, then, you know, after their win against Manchester City with Haaland playing for the full 90 minutes and not hardly getting a sniff in that, in that particular game, then you know you've done something very, very good and very, very right. And if you can't build and, and get belief from that performance, then you never will. And, you know, you take the same things into the next game. Yes, you're playing against different players, maybe a different formation. But if you're doing what you're told to do and, you know, what was obvious on Saturday, the game plan was there, uh, then, you know, I think that's the beauty of Steve. You know, I've been down to watch training, you know, on a few occasions. And it's so impressive the way, you know, he goes about it and, you know, the player's response to you know, what he wants to do and what, how he wants to train. And I think now the, with the, the World Cup coming up, the, you know, the amount of time he's going to have to spend with the players on the training pitch is going to be so beneficial for everybody. And if we can get, 
if we win two out of the three games, um, you know, then that would be incredible because we're not getting cut adrift at the moment. There's a group on nine now and the mid-table doesn't look that far away. And like you've said, you know, it's easy to get dragged down into that if you start playing badly. Um, so, yeah, momentum is a wonderful thing in any sport. And if you can't get momentum from beating Liverpool and keeping a clean sheet, you'll never get momentum. And uh, that, that the message Steve is, is putting through to his players because, you know, that you, you saw the pure joy and elation from every player in a red shirt on Saturday after that game. They were absolutely exhausted and, and, you know, understandably so because mentally and physically they put so much effort in. I'm, I'm always a big believer in the, the mental side rather than the physical. Physical, it's a given. You have to do that. But mentally, keeping yourself concentrated is, is so important at the highest level. I've said it before because if you don't, you get punished by the best players in the Premier League because you switch off for an instant. That's all they need. And we never switched off. Yes, we could have defended set pieces a little bit better. But I watched their quality from the set pieces and it was so good. Sometimes it's so difficult. It's virtually impossible sometimes if they, they're, the delivery and the quality is as good as we saw from Liverpool. So, yeah, you, you can say, well, it wasn't that good, but it was that good from Liverpool. But what we did do, we reacted when the ball you know, ricocheted about in there. We got there first. Henderson made the save. Our players respect, uh, responded quicker than theirs afterwards. That's what I mean about you know never switching off. And I think they, that that particularly impressed me as well. What kind of group are they when you go and watch them train in terms of energy, noise, enthusiasm? Do they look like a struggling team or not? Well, I just go back to when I uh, you know when I played it everywhere I went. I was lucky to you know have you know the banter was always there. It was allowed, and you know they're having a crack and you know really enjoying it. But knuckling down and, and doing the right things at the right time. You know, you can you can piece it all together and do all that within a, you know, a training session. And uh, it's nice to see, well, that camaraderie. That's, people say, you know, to me, what do you miss more about the games, uh, about playing? And I said, well, the camaraderie, you know, uh, more than anything, really. And I think there's that down there. I think we saw that, you know, so much on Saturday, you know, during, after, it was just a joy to watch. And I stood out there, you know, for quite a while after the final whistle and just what was watched what was going on in the pitch and it was tremendous. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a few weeks ago, Fletch said there was a question, has the, has, has the manager lost the dressing room? It was impossible to say, but I think we see now he definitely hasn't and they're 100% playing for him and buying into the, the projects, that awful football term, but they're, they're certainly well behind him. Um, I think we'll leave it there after 46 minutes. Loads of people watching along. Any other business, Greg, before we go? Any final comments? Yes, I've got an AOB, if that's all right. An AOB. Um, if this is hawking merchandise or something. No, it's not. It's good. It's feel good. Uh, my friend Sam Perkins diagnosed with MND in 2019, set up his own charity, local charity, uh, raised over 100 grand so far. And I just want to give him a shout out because he's just been nominated for a Pride of Rushcliffe Award. So, like, massive respect and well done to him. Yeah, brilliant. Well His T-shirts behind there as well. So. Oh, well, well, that's, a, that's a fair enough, <laughs> I'll let you have that one. Very much so. Gary, you've got to go and unpack some um, furniture. No, I've, got to go down the, I've got to go down the tip now. <laughs> Never stops. To get rid of. Yeah, I know. It's just, uh, yeah, it's a major, major, yeah, job at the moment. <laughs> Well, I'll let you go. Good luck with that. Uh, thanks for everyone. Sorry, sorry I made you late. 
no, no, it's fine. God, give us your time. A club legend. Bloody hell, I can't complain about that. Um, right. Thanks to everyone who's watched along. Loads of comments. And I think everyone enjoyed it. Lots of good chat in the comments. Some interesting ones just dropped in. I'm going to have to delete uh, when we finish. So uh, thanks very much, everyone. Greg, thank you. No, good. I enjoyed it. Cheers. Gary, thank Cheers, you. Greg. We shall be back uh, maybe later in the week, but if not, certainly after the Arsenal game, where hopefully we're discussing a good result for the Reds. So enjoy your week, everyone, and we shall see you soon. <laughs>